So Don Parker came to me excitedly to share his idea after generously winning this year's auction bid for a customized sermon. He said, I feel this information is critical since we're in the middle of a pandemic. People are dying and the climate crisis is worsening. The health of everyone, including this fellowship, is of high priority in my mind. Well, thank you, Don. Thank you. Don's been a member of Chalice for 21 years. He's in the choir and often takes photographs for the congregation. We are his precious community, and he cares about everyone's well-being, which is why he fervently wanted this topic today. Don's passion for healthy eating was fueled by his mother's untimely death at age 54 from a heart attack. He remembers she didn't really exercise. She ate a lot of bacon, eggs, and pork chops. So grieving, Don attended a convention to explore alternative ways of eating so he wouldn't succumb to a similar fate at a young age. That's when he started eating more consciously. He got cafeteria trays to grow wheatgrass, alfalfa sprouts, sunflower sprouts, and later broccoli sprouts. And then he added spirulina and more plants to his daily diet. But when Don was himself diagnosed with AFib a few years ago, he was surprised. And again, genetics do have a strong influence on us. But Don was eating fairly healthily already, yet he still ate chicken and fish. He knew he didn't want a pacemaker, and he wanted to get off all the intense heart medications he'd been prescribed. So about a year ago, he chose to go totally vegan, like you heard from Ani earlier. Inspired by Bill Clinton, who after his heart attack went vegan, who sadly, as many of you know, is in the hospital this week with an infection in Orange County right now, Don began to try a new way of eating. Although he's still on statins a year later, he's cut their quantity in half. Don's lost weight and notices he's not as hungry as he used to be. By eating more nutritious food, Don finds he needs less calories to satisfy his hunger, and he feels better overall, and he really wanted me to impart the source of his inspiration and well-being to you. Don shared a book with me called How Not to Die. Pretty compelling title, isn't it? By physician and an infectious disease expert, Dr. Michael Greger. Gregor asserts through extensive peer-reviewed scientific evidence that most premature deaths can actually be prevented through simple changes in diet and lifestyle. In this book, Gregor examines the 15 top causes of death in America, starting in order with heart disease, cancer, diabetes, Parkinson's, high blood pressure, and more. And he looks at how we might not only prevent, but also reverse them. Now, according to the Gates Foundation research, the number one cause of death and disease is a poor diet. The number one cause of death and disease, a poor diet, it now outranks tobacco smoking as the leading cause of death globally and in the United States. In fact, around 659,000 people in the United States die from heart disease each year. That's one in every four deaths. 
Cancer is the second leading cause of death after heart disease. Now, we make such a big deal about COVID right now, but just as many die yearly of heart disease and cancer. They are silent pandemics that rage among us. Gregor believes most of these illnesses, premature death and disability, are preventable with a plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle changes. What we eat, in addition to stress reduction and exercise, have a big influence on how long we live. Now, if you're interested in learning more, Dr. Greger has an animated summary video called, fittingly, How Not to Die, with his main ideas, which Don highly recommends. And I'm going to put the links in the chat at the end of the sermon. Greger also hosts a website called nutritionfacts.org, with numerous resources, scientific studies, and videos. His method is scientific evidence-based. He's also recently come out with a new book called How to Survive a Pandemic, which is rather useful at this time. In fact, Dr. Greger predicted a pandemic like this one just over 10 years ago, including the shortage of toilet paper, and he urged us to prepare. So if you're curious, please check out his website, nutritionfacts.org, to learn more. And again, we're going to share a link at the end, so you don't have to worry about remembering it right now. According to Dr. Greger and others, like another well-known doctor promoting plant-based eating, Dr. Dean Ornish, there's only one diet that's ever been proven to reverse heart disease, and that's a plant-based diet. But what exactly is a plant-based or plant-rich diet? Plant-based eating maximizes the intake of fruits, vegetables, beans, whole grains, nuts, seeds, mushrooms, herbs, and spices. And it minimizes the intake of meat, eggs, dairy, and processed food. Not only can meat eating be harmful for your heart, warns Gregor, but factory farming and animal agriculture also breeds viruses. In fact, the biggest domestic source of viruses are actually poultry factory farms. One chicken gets sick and transmits it to all the others. And as we know, animal agriculture is also bad for the environment. Apparently, over 50% of our Earth's pollution can be traced back to mass animal agriculture. So in addition, the latest scientific research indicates that plant-rich diets also reduce the likelihood of getting COVID, as well as offering a 41% reduction in the severity of COVID, according to the latest medical research. This is why Don was so keen for you all to get this information as soon as possible, and I am so grateful to him. A whole food, plant-based diet is different from a vegan or vegetarian diet in that it doesn't condemn the occasional consumption of meat, but rather emphasizes a diet with majority plants. Now, some eat vegans eat a lot of processed food, which is not exactly what Dr. Greger recommends either and isn't necessarily healthy for you. Dr. Greger suggests avoiding meat and dairy, but stresses focusing on whole foods in their natural state and an abundance of nourishing plants. So think of filling your plate with at least twice as many vegetables as anything else. Ironically, Dr. Greger says, doctors aren't taught much about nutrition at medical school. 
In fact, it makes up only a few hours, like between one and eight hours of their entire medical training. Can you believe it? But Gregor has made nutrition his life's mission. Also, the FDA recommends a certain way of eating one year, and then a few years later, that food pyramid is proven not to be so good for you. So the goalposts around food and nutrition seem to keep evolving as science learns more. In some ways, I think we're still living in the dark ages of nutrition knowledge, and we're all grasping for what might work. Just like we found out this week that after years of recommending a daily aspirin to ward off heart disease, it's now no longer recommended. So you do something, you think it's okay, and then a year or so later you're told, no, that's wrong. Of course, my friends, even talking about food choices is a privilege. A huge part of the world's population living in poverty are unable to make the choices that some of us have the freedom of making. So we're wise to remember what a privilege it is for those of us who are food secure to be able to have this discussion and to make dietary changes if we wish. Dr. Greger is passionate, passionate about his way of eating as the answer to life's ills. But what about the hundreds, if not thousands, of other diets and ways of eating? each with their own impassioned proponents, each offering the answer to living a healthy life. There's paleo and keto, there's the Whole30 and Mediterranean diet, there's Weight Watchers, Nutrisystem and Noom, there's the blood type diet, the TLC diet, and longevity expert Dr. Murray's Pegan diet, which is a cross between paleo and vegan. And then there's Atkins, the DASH diet, the mind diet, as well as flexitarian and climatarian diets. And then there are anti-inflammatory diets and meat-only diets and macrobiotic and raw food diets. And then, of course, there are religious belief diets from kosher to halal to Seventh-day Adventists, lacto-ovo-vegetarianism. And then, as you all know, there's the UU diet, of course. You've all heard of that, right? No? No, I just made that one up. <laughs> no wonder it's unclear what to eat. In fact, there are as many different ways of eating as there are religions in the world. And like religions, all of them claim to have the answer. And people can get almost as evangelical about their way of eating as they do about their religion. Am I right? You know, I used to be like that. I was so excited about what I discovered that I started proselytizing that the way I had found was the right way for everyone. But as I matured, I've become more of a Unitarian Universalist in my way of eating as well. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all way of eating. We all have such different bodies. Just like there's not one religion or belief system that has all the answers or is right for everyone as Ani shared earlier. We need to explore options to see what works for us and our body. Unitarian Universalists believe there are many paths. There's never just one answer, and we need to ask questions, research, find our truth, do a deep dive into what truly works for us, think about what we value, and see if our way of eating can come into alignment with that.
I keep talking every week about getting into alignment with our values. Become conscious about our food choices. Undertake awareness-raising practices that help you listen internally and discern what's right for you and your body, your family, your conscience, and our planet. So what if you asked yourself once in a while, how do I want to feel after my next meal? That fried chicken or donut looks and tastes so good, but how am I going to feel 10 minutes later? Listen to your body. Love your body. And love our planet enough to prioritize making food choices that respect both. And forgive yourself when you make bad choices. There's always another chance. Shame around food doesn't work and it isn't motivating. In fact, changing the way we eat can be as difficult as changing our religion. Most of us are creatures of habit and comfort. And how we eat is influenced by our culture, our religious beliefs, our health needs, our childhood, as well as our preferences. I've always been curious about people's resistance around changing food habits when it obviously can make us feel so much better. But perhaps it's because there's no one-size-fits-all answer, and it takes work to discern the healthiest, most sustainable path. Or maybe it's because most humans are averse to change. Perhaps it's because there's such an emotional attachment to food. Comfort food from childhood that meant love is hard to digress from, isn't it? Even if food is an addiction, you can't quit eating food entirely, so there's always temptation many times a day. Plus, there are social pressures around eating. We gather around food. For many of us, unfortunately, it takes getting sick with severe illness or one of our family members getting sick to be motivated to change. We're so attached to our sugars, fats, and comfort foods. In fact, most Americans are raised to idolize the pleasure found in cookies, chocolate chip are the best, and ice cream, and fried chicken, hamburgers, and pizza, right? As well as big portions. We're so habituated to our way of eating and drinking that many of us would prefer to continue eating the way we do with our comfort foods and flavors, even if we sacrifice our health for them, right? President Bill Clinton needed a heart attack and bypass to change his diet. And now he says a lot of people who are busy and stressed feel that eating and being comfortable is their reward. But particularly for those who, like him, have children and grandchildren, he says, you have a responsibility to try to be as healthy as possible. So how do you know what's right for you to eat and for our planet? And what will give you the motivation to change? I've had my own journey with food and diets. Most of my life, I had regular stomach upsets. 
So I explored all different ways of eating, from cutting out gluten and dairy to going vegan. For eight years, I was a vegetarian because philosophically, I didn't agree with killing animals, let alone with the horrendous practices of factory farming. It just hurt my spirit to think I was contributing to that. But over time, I started feeling sicker and sicker, and I would wake up in the middle of the night, coughing violently and vomiting, and I felt queasy almost all of the time. And then I hit rock bottom about three years ago, when I could barely eat any food at all without feeling sick. Now, some of you may remember in 2018 when I almost completely lost my voice and I could barely speak and I couldn't sing for over a year. Feeling really sick, I consulted gastroenterologists who wanted to put me on strong medication for the rest of my life. They told me I couldn't cure what I had and that I'd simply have to live with it indefinitely. Now, interestingly, they never never talk to me about dietary changes. And I realized later that gastroenterologists mostly don't believe people can successfully change their diets. And so for ease and a quick fix, they put people on drugs to see rapid results, even though the cause of the problem is never addressed. Convinced that the body knows what it needs if we truly listen. I was determined not to go on lots of medication as the solution. So instead, I researched my situation intensively to see if I could somehow cure myself naturally. I tried various ways of eating, observing, and listening to how I felt. And it was really a trial and error situation and more trial. And over time, I completely changed how I ate. I eliminated grains, sugar, and processed food from my diet while increasing green vegetables and protein. I soon started to be able to eat again, and to my great thrill, an endoscopy a year later showed I had completely cured myself from a precancerous condition doctors told me I'd have to live with forever. Now, I was willing to make whatever sacrifices I needed to heal myself because I'd felt so sick. I was willing to forego foods I loved so that I could heal. It's been hard, I'll be honest with you, but it's been absolutely worth it to me. Because for the last two years, I've been healthier than ever before. I hardly get sick, I have more energy, I lost weight, and best of all, I can now eat without continuous, unbalancing stomach upsets. And to me, feeling good and healthy is worth every sacrifice I've made. I can't tell you what a difference it is. But I also realize that how I eat works for my health, and body it doesn't necessarily work for everyone. Michael and Gabriel eat differently. There's no one-size-fits-all solution. But my friends, there are some general guidelines which may offer good results for most people. Number one, eat a plant-rich diet. Incorporate as many life-giving fruits and vegetables into your day as you can. Fill up on plants. Number two, cut down on processed food. All of that prepackaged food is made to tempt us to eat more with high levels of sugar, fat, refined carbs, and salt. It's quick and convenient, but mostly removed from how food was originally intended to nourish us. 
Indeed, most of it is hard on our bodies. Number three, eat whole foods as much as possible, foods in their natural state rather than chemically modified food. Michael Pollan, best-selling author of The Omnivore's Dilemma, said, if it came from a plant, eat it. If it was made in a plant, don't. Buy locally when you can, from your neighborhood farmer's market, or grow your own vegetables, like in a garden tower, which takes up almost no space. This helps reduce greenhouse gas emissions and supports local agriculture. And we are so blessed to live in an area with so much fresh food grown all around us. And number five, if you choose to or need to eat meat, try to eat humanely sourced meat, preferably organic and pasture-raised. So I invite you to think of it as an experiment. Make small incremental shifts, or commit to one change, and when you've habituated to that, then add another one. The day-to-day -day is what's most important. And of course, you can allow yourself to cheat every now and then and see how you feel. It doesn't have to be all or nothing right away, unless you function better that way. Just this past weekend, I completely went off my diet as I hosted the English tea auction event at my home. I ate scones and clotted cream and lots of sugar and cakes and flour-based products. Boy, were they delicious. Whew, I hadn't had them in years. But I quickly noticed I got more tired, my stomach was impacted, and my immune system got dinged this week. But it was fun for a day. And now I'm back to eating in the way I know serves my body and well-being the best. Don wants to have the information, wants you all to have the information from Dr. Greger because he wants our fellowship members to enjoy good health and prevent COVID, and of course, heart disease, and cancer, and high blood pressure, and diabetes, and the other things that a plant-based diet can heal. I have a list of resources from Don that I'm happy to share with you, if you wish, or you can contact Don directly. I'm sure he'd be happy to share more information with you. Also, in 2011, the UUA passed a statement of conscience on ethical eating. And it has a lot of useful guidance for Unitarian Universalists. Again, we'll include the link at the end of the sermon. My friends, I hope for you all to live your best, most vibrant, healthy lives. And that may mean changing habits, exploring what might serve your body better so you can feel your best and enjoy this one precious life to the full. You may wish to do more research, listen deeply to your body, to your conscience, and experiment, try things. And when you fail, because we all do, please don't feel shame. Habits are hard to change. It can be a long journey to find out what's right for you, but if you persist, it's so worth it. My friends, we may only have this one precious, life. So here's to feeling alive, healthy, and as vibrant as we can for our children and our planet's future. May our love in this community support us on our path, and may we cultivate a relationship with food that nurtures our health 
and sustains our beautiful planet. May it be so. Blessed be.